Today's TribCast is presented by Methodist Healthcare Ministries of South Texas. Methodist Healthcare Ministries is a private, faith-based, not-for-profit organization working with state government to develop more socially conscious public policy. Follow us on Twitter to get involved at twitter.com slash mhmstx. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys talking. Hi, Marinelda Martinez. Corpus Christi. I am looking forward to being back in Austin this September for the Texas Tribune Festival. I'll be one of the speakers with many others that will be adding to your storehouse of knowledge. But first, before we go on, we are going to enjoy this TripCast. Here is your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the third week of August. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith. You, you sure you don't want to have an intern here in my place? I'd like Again. to have an intern here. He did quite well last week. Uh, yeah, executive that. editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And re- political reporter Patrick Svitek. Hello. I'm hurt. Uh, well, for those of you who are tuning in via Facebook, please shoot some questions our way. We're going to be talking about a lot of um, wildly entertaining topics today. We'll start by the one of the most entertaining of those, and that is this latest round of political polling uh, that is showing a really fascinating potential uh, Ted Cruz matchup for 2018. Who wants to fill us in? Sure. Everyone's just pointing at Patrick. So uh, public policy polling uh, was in the field in Texas last week, and they're releasing numbers in in two different waves. We saw the presidential race yesterday, and that was uh, news in and of itself. Uh, Donald Trump leading Hillary Clinton by only six points in Texas. That's the uh, narrowest margin we've seen yet from what little public polling there's been on the presidential race in Texas. And today the numbers focused on uh, kind of Senator Ted Cruz, his popularity or or lack thereof, and also some potential uh, matchup for his Senate re-election campaign in in 2018. Uh, He trounced everybody that they tested, except for uh, former Governor Rick Perry, who, uh, according to this poll, would beat uh, Cruz by nine points if the the Senate primary were held today. Obviously, it's in 2018. But uh, it's, you know, still the poll, you know, taken together shows that Cruz is, you know, at least in this kind of uh, current environment, uh, certainly vulnerable in, in some ways, and that there could be an opening um, for a credible challenger in 2018. One, one question that caught my attention more than the Perry question was uh, respondents or likely primary voters were asked simply, do you want Cruz or someone else to be your nominee in 2018 for U.S. Senate? Half, 50 percent said Cruz, but 43 percent said they want someone else. And to me, that's a not insignificant this is not amount of people. Re- Republicans only. We're, yes, we're, this is we're, for we're Republican asked. primary voters. It, it, it's such a wonderful uh, uh, mischief maker, this poll, because if you remember, <laughs> right. uh, Trump after the convention when Cruz... Uh, very failed to definitively failed to to endorse him. Uh, Trump came out and talked about possibly funding a challenge sure. to yeah. Cruz. And at the time, Rick Perry's name came up because Perry was a Trump supporter and has actually taken uh, any number of of, of uh, rounds of incoming fire for for Trump over the last couple of weeks. Most recently, right. um, uh, going back at Kieser Khan, the Gold Star dad. Mm-hmm two days ago, an issue that we thought was finally off the front pages. <laughs> right. Perry. Uh, Keep this balloon in the air for right, a while. You know, right. the, the first rule of, uh, of holes is stop digging. Right. And uh, Perry got out his shovel. But so Perry has actually been reasonably loyal to Trump and, in fact, was just named to his Agriculture Advisory Committee the other day. Um, one could imagine if you'd sort of take the narrative through line all the way to the end, Trump wins the presidency. That may be the least plausible 
thing in this right. anecdote. <laughs> Uh, and then decides, in fact, he's going to uh, uh, f with Cruz, and uh, he decides to fund a challenge. Well, or Trump and the challenge loses. he funds is uh, is Perry. Or but Trump loses the presidency and decides he's going right. to mess with Cruz. But isn't this poll such a mischief maker because there is absolutely no credible evidence that Rick Perry is even, you know, slightly considering? Except he hasn't said that he's not. Teddy Schlieffer <laughs> of CNN, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, just said on Twitter mm-hmm. that he he remembered Jeff Miller, Perry's campaign manager or strategist saying when the when this first came up um, he's not gauging interest in a 2018 run at the moment which is not the same as saying he's not running not gauging interest at the moment is what you say when you are considering you know I gotta say Perry's been doing a better job of sort of the regular vice presidential attack mode than Mike Pence has been doing on Trump's behalf. I mean, you know, usually it's the vice presidential candidate who kind of takes the attack. Now, Trump's a little bit different because he does so much of it himself. But usually it's the vice president who takes these sort of, you know, throws the punches in the way that Perry's doing with this con thing, um, which was a little bit inexplicable to me. Yeah. Look, the, the Perry thing, to my mind, is, is uh, unlikely or implausible in some measure. The Trump only being up by six points on, on Clinton in Texas is like crazy pants. Right. We it's have certainly a, a, a bigger story to me. Yeah, absolutely. A question on Facebook from April. What's the deal with Hillary's high poll numbers in Texas? Is there a disconnect between national and statewide Democratic candidates? Let me disabuse April of the idea that Hillary's poll numbers in Texas are high. Hillary is at 38%. Wendy Davis against Greg Abbott in 2014 got 38%. Right. Hillary and Wendy it's, Davis have hit what is effectively the Democratic the ceiling limit. on that. What's interesting is Trump is polling 15 points behind Greg Abbott. Right. In 2014, right. and 17 points behind Greg Abbott with his share of the Hispanic vote. Trump has 27% in his poll of the Hispanic vote, and Abbott got 44%. Trump is way underperforming. You could make an argument that the 15 points between Abbott and Trump is the Republican never Trump vote, or at least for the moment, or, not Trump. Or vote. wandering in the desert. I mean, right. they're, you know, they're, they're, they're <laughs> maybe I'll vote, maybe I'll go find something else to do. And, you know, yeah. Gary Johnson's only at 6% in this poll. Jill Stein's only at 2%. Sure, right. The good Evan is at 0%, Evan McMillan. <laughs> um, uh, so it's not as if somehow the Libertarians or the Greens are bleeding off all this Republican support. It's that there are a bunch of Republicans out there who are looking at Trump and going, eh. So now, they may look, come back around, but they may not. Right. So if you look at the Trump numbers, the underperforming Trump numbers, and you look at the Democratic numbers, Hillary's numbers being, you know, flat like Wendy, what you'd expect from Wendy Davis, if you are a down-ballot Republican candidate, are you freaking out? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah you, I think yeah. you're freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm Rick Alindo or Gilbert Pena. Or even a Sarah Davis. Or I'm, well, I don't know I, that I, I would say know, Sarah she's Davis. She's in a district where, you know. Clinton's going to win. You know, you have a certain number of straight ticket voters in these things. And, you know, anybody down ballot in a place like Houston or Dallas. Well, that's the point. Is, you always, is, you, is worried about straight ticket yeah. voting. And, and if Trump doesn't pull voters to the or doesn't get voters to pull the red lever, then yeah. the down ballot Republicans are in trouble. You make the point always that there are a handful of races in Dallas. I always disagree with you. And here I think now you maybe have the upper hand in this conversation, uh, ongoing conversation. You say Ken Sheets and Cindy Burkett. going to let Burkett. me have some oxygen. How about a that? Change. Yeah. Ken Sheets and Cindy Mark Burkett and Rodney Anderson and a bunch of people who are in races that I don't consider to be under normal circumstances truly competitive. Right. But they've got general election opponents. They've got Democrats in a county that just a couple of years ago went completely blue. Right. right. I mean, you know, that whole part of the state actually did flip. Um if I see these numbers and I'm them, quite honestly, I start drinking at 9 in the morning. <laughs> I think to myself, it is time to start drinking. If, if Trump is underperforming Abbott by 15 points, if there's that low in, level of enthusiasm for Trump, unless he turns this around, some districts that are not now competitive 
probably become more competitive. Well, the reason those three are, you know, to your point, the reason those three are usually not in trouble is because they are in battle-hardened districts. They've had to fight for their seats every two years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, losers go drinking and winners go knocking on doors. Those guys are out working. They're working hard. In fact, they, uh, I was up in Irving yesterday on a, uh, moderating a discussion with a bunch of legislators, including Anderson and Burkett, not Sheets. And I asked the panel, are you supporting Trump? And both Anderson and Burkett said, we're voting straight ticket. We're supporting the nominee, and we are out knocking on doors. It is exactly what you right. said. They've got no choice but to hug that straight work, ticket. Work, work. So yeah. let's go back to, to Cruz for a second. So if there's so much sort of animosity, so much anger over him not endorsing Trump, why then in a poll like this did he perform so well compared to in a matchup with, say, Dan Patrick or a matchup with Michael McCall? I don't think anybody knows Dan Patrick or Michael McCall. Sure. Not Dan Patrick? No. I think you're half right. I think your name ID, if you're anybody but the governor— is um, down in the low 20s, high I, teens. I, I, I think Patrick and McCall are in totally different categories. I mean, in terms I, of why well, the I, I think they're in different categories, but I think they're both unknown, relatively. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard to it's hard to parse all of this until we get through November. We see how the presidential election shakes out. In some ways, right now, between now and November, is the best time for anti-Cruz forces to mobilize within Texas because right. the entire political atmospherics could be a hundred percent different in November. Um, you know, Trump could lose, Cruz could spin it as I was right all along, and we could all go back to Cruz being the most popular Republican in Texas, like he was uh, in right. twenty fourteen, according to PPP. Which I, of course, think is going to happen. Well, you. <laughs> You and I said sure. this in the yeah. previous pilot. Look, I think this is a what did you do during the yeah. war daddy moment for a sure. lot of Republicans. And I think when Cruz, yeah. after this election, should Trump get mm-hmm. beaten or beaten badly, Cruz stands up and looks like one or two or three people who had principles enough to not be uh, be, be dragged into this at a bad time. Look, I think on the McCall thing, the, the, this is the distinction I would make to the, say to all of you about McCall and Patrick. Already when McCall's name was floated in this CNN story or whatever it was uh, a week or two ago, um, the Tea Party groups in Texas said Michael McCall is a liberal. Now, hilarious. If you stand back from this without a vested interest in the outcome right. of this conversation, only in Texas in 2016 is Mike McCall a liberal in the eyes of some people. Mike McCall is absolutely not a liberal. But in the eyes of the Tea Party, Mike McCall has not been 100% absolutely with them on everything. And so they're, so I think he has a name ID problem to Ross's point, but I also think that McCall is not associated with the movement. Dan Patrick is the movement in some ways, right? I mean, Dan Patrick is their guy. The fact that that Cruz is throttling Patrick to me is a more interesting trial heat. I think, so. I, I think the the distinction I would make there is Cruz is a better known name. And if you just say Cruz versus Patrick, you're getting some name ID issues. I think if you actually had them both campaigning, I think you're probably right. If if, if Patrick had the money to you know prosecute a race like that, then you know. That would be interesting because they're both movement conservatives. But I think just off the top, Cruz is a better known name. And if you say this one or that one, they go, I have the one I know. If if Cruz gets primary, a question from Doug, uh, would Cornyn weigh in on a primary challenge to Cruz? I mean, obviously, there's no love loss <laughs> between the two of the guys. Oh, my God. Let us exhume Shakespeare <laughs> right. to answer right. this question, the drama involved. A cigar, a glass of scotch. You know, to be honest, I bet he wouldn't. No, I mean, he wouldn't I, because Cruz didn't weigh in on his prime. Right, right. I mean, I think, right? yeah, well, right, the other direction. Right. Would you endorse yes. Cruz? Oh, I think right. I'll do what he did in yeah, exactly. right. I think Cornyn would probably take the high road, although we know what he'd be thinking. He wouldn't be able to wipe the ground. No, I seriously think he wouldn't weigh in, uh, yeah. you know. 
Yep. That was a big controversy last yep. time. So, um, you know, the thing in this Pay polling, that, <laughs> the thing that was most interesting to me, frankly, in all this polling, and Ross and I were talking about this earlier, is actually what the polling shows around gun control. Right, uh, sure. Ross, do you want to? I mean, I, I think that the, the numbers, yeah, I think uh, the high notes there are really interesting. You have, you know, like um, go for it. Well, all right, you have. I think it was eighty-nine percent of. Now I'm losing where it is on the page. There it is. Would you support or oppose a bill barring people on the terrorist watch list from purchasing a firearm? 83% would support it. Do you support or oppose requiring a criminal background check of every person who wants to buy a firearm? 89% support that. This is a poll where, you know, the majority of people in this poll were Republicans. The criminal background check question, to my, I think the first one, the the terrorist watch list question, there are a bunch of Republican elected officials who will say privately they think that that's a bridge too far. They they think that actually that the party should be saying, look, if you're on the terrorist watch list, you should not be allowed to get it. But the background check one, I think, is a very, if that poll is an accurate reflection of the electorate, that's a huge shift. Well, we're using right. it as a quote-unquote, uh, you know, a view of the electorate based on all these other things. But that's right. a significant shift, I think, if yeah. that's true. Yeah, right. I think right. so, too. So. I don't think a background check bill, if you put it in the hands of the Texas legislature, I don't think you'd have... A third of the legislature support background checks. Mm-hmm. No, I think they're scared to death. I th- well, you know, and, and I think part of the reason that they're scared to death, I don't think this is a cowardly thing necessarily. I think part of the reason they're scared to death is because the message from voters is a little bit soft. You, if you say generally, are you for background checks? Yes. And when you get into the details, it turns into mush and it turns into it's a political, politically dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're also talking about, you know, what you can get past a general election crowd and what you can get past a Republican primary crowd. Right. And those are different votes. Right. One more Facebook question from Travis. Is it possible we could have a Cruz versus Perry versus Bush? I'm assuming that's George P. Senate primary. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think yeah, with uh, Jesse Ventura <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. officiating. Right. I, I think George P. Bush's chief of staff, it was a little noticed tweet, but it was about a week ago, came right. out and said, we want to make clear we're not interested in challenging Senator Cruz. Um, obviously, those kinds of things change. But did I think anybody ask them or himself. did they just put that out there? I think there? it was well, a response to people the— ra- People yeah. raised yeah. that after he came out and sure. said, I think that everybody should get behind right. Trump, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you know Trump was mean to my dad. Mm-hmm. Right, he backed right. Trump. Cruz backed didn't, Trump. so everybody. Yeah, so went, I think well. Bush for now has removed himself from that e- that equation. Obviously, right. things change. So an interesting little sideline, and that's what I thought was yeah. worth mentioning. So you know, the chief of staff to whom you refer is J.R. Hernandez, who worked for Bush during his um, uh, campaign for land commissioner. He is Bush's chief of staff in the land office. His father, Juan Hernandez, who was the co-founder of the Hispanic Republicans of Texas, and is a longtime died in a world Republican, just joined the Gary Johnson campaign right. as the head of Hispanic mm-hmm. outreach. I think he's like director of the yeah. you know, Latino right. effort, you know, voter uh, efforts. Um, this is a very strange election. And <laughs> Under, honestly, understatement of the It's century. a very strange election on, 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 on every end of it, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I keep wondering if somebody, you know, one of the high-level, rich libertarians in the country, uh, you know, like the guy from Kansas who ran as a libertarian candidate for president, is going to throw some money into the Johnson campaign and get mm-hmm. them on stage. You know, if they get to 15 percent in the polling, um, well, well, and, that's, and then they get on a debate stage. Right. And I, you know, I think that's it's, right. it's interesting. I don't know that a libertarian could win, but I think it's interesting with all these Republicans wandering around with their head in their hands, not knowing what to do. You know, that the question of whether Johnson's going to make the, uh, the debate Right is, is is a real it's a real question you know so the debate is the twenty sixth of September that's Monday, 
it's the day after the last day of the Tribune Festival. So the Tribune Festival is the 23rd, <laughs> 4th, plug. and 5th. Johnson is the 26th. Johnson will be at the Tribune Festival. So he'll be by, riding that Trib Fest bubble, right? Yep. And that'll be the Trib Fest <laughs> exactly. bubble. The Evan so, Smith bubble. But the question, the question though, is... Um, you know, is he is he going to be able to get to 15 as an average of those five polls? Right. And the five polls that were cited this week by the debate commission as the five polls that they're going to use, Johnson is between about eight and 12 percent in those polls, but no higher than 12. He has a lot of ways. He has a lot of way to go to get yeah, to 15. But if you were, you know, I'm talking about Coke. I mean, you know, he ran as the Libertarian candidate for president. He's got a gazillion dollars. He's not for Trump. If you threw, I'm just curious. If you, if some rich person. Or if mm -hmm. Johnson came into enough money to advertise his name, could he get you'd have that to work, other 4%? You'd have to work it hard you'd have to, work it. Yeah, to, get, would. to get to 15. You well, would. Just a reminder, if you're uh, following along on Facebook, you can send questions our way. Speaking of a very strange election cycle, I want to talk about what exactly Rick Perry was thinking when he decided <laughs> it was time for him, too, to go after the Gold Star family. He was on CNN uh, yesterday as we sit here uh, basically saying, shame on you to the, the father of... Um, of Khan, the the soldier who Muslim soldier who was was killed. I mean, what? I can't. I'm sort of speechless. Like, why would you weigh in at this point? I think I I haven't seen the full exchange. I think he was asked about it. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like he voluntarily went out there, but he certainly answered it in a way that uh, kept it in the headlines. What did <laughs> so, he say? What exactly did he think was shameful? Did you get to that? Or I mean, it's shameful that the family didn't think that by going after Trump they would be susceptible. They entered for, the for the point they is they entered, entered the, the fray. fray. He's not the first one to say this. If right. you're going to go to a political convention and you're going to speak out on behalf of a candidate, you better, better be ready to take yourself, it. Then you're fair. Then you're in yourself play. In play. Mm. But what's shameful? I mean, what did he say that was shameful? Other than. I mean, he said, the, I think the exact quote was, you know, shame on you for not thinking you're, you know. So he's not exactly disagreeing with what Khan said. He's just disagreeing that Khan thought he shouldn't be hit back. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, well, it I mean, just seemed yeah. like a story that could have Weird. been, uh, you know, I think if I were Rick Perry, probably what I would have said was, hey, this story's been litigated. It's yeah. old news. And instead, sure. you know, but but maybe Perry's in a, a perfect position to be a surrogate for Trump on this because Perry mm -hmm. has such a good, you know, strong following among veterans. Well, Perry is himself a veteran. A lot of people who have commented right. on this are not. Right. And so Perry has credibility on this issue, at least to the extent that Perry I mean, himself is. Recall that Perry, when he was a candidate, asked Donald Trump to drop out of the race because of what he said about John McCain's military exactly. service. Right. But that's, I mean, that's why this is even more, you know, and, and Perry, who's done this, like, just total 180 from, you know, calling Trump a cancer on conservatism. And, you know, it just looks so opportunistic. Now it turns out he meant a good kind of cancer. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah, it's right. <laughs> the best cancer. The best cancer. I mean, unless, in the here, like, ultimate conspiracy theory, like unless Perry really is hoping that Trump goes down in flames and is just trying to keep the issue in the Oh my God, the, the conspiracy uh, theories in this election. <laughs> Trump actually wants to lose. Uh, Bill right. Clinton and Trump met think, before the election to plot how they were going to get Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I mean, I just think people, his minds just raced to places. I think everything Perry's been doing since he got out of the race looks like he's auditioning for some place in a Trump administration mm -hmm. or in a Republican yeah. hierarchy. No one just, doubts yeah. that if Trump wins, Perry is not I mean, he's yeah. going to be in some right. capacity in some job. Right, he'll yeah. be on that on that Agriculture Commission with Sid Miller. Yeah. Well, he'd be Secretary of Agriculture. <laughs> he'd, be he's head bored. Of, he'd be the head of the Veterans Administration, right? Well, what struck out to me is every time you have a Trump controversy, you have kind of the different tiers of defenders. You have people who say, oh, maybe you shouldn't have said that. People come out and say, oh, I defend him. Then people come out and say, like, not only do they defend him, but they punch back and they advance the narrative. Right. With, with, with these comments, Perry kind of promoted himself to that upper echelon of right. like, Trump Perry defender. May as well, like, Perry, Perry may as well be one of those fat guys on CNN. <laughs> 
who was identified as a Trump surrogate, right? Yeah. Well, this is one of the things I'm talking about. You know, this <laughs> is ordinarily the job. Wait, Evan. Okay. What? This that kind of thing has nothing is to do with weight. This they is all, ordinarily you know, the kind of thing. A lot of his surrogates are these bad guys. I'm this sorry. is like this is supposed to be Mike Pence's job. This is you know the Veep well, is supposed to be the one punching up like this. Well, this is what's most interesting to me, right? Where I mean, maybe you can't. The quietest Veep in history, right? Yeah. Question from Matthew. Why do Pence hasn't been quiet? Pence actually has been pretty good about defending him, but Pence not like this. Well, but Pence is not as Newt Gingrich. Pence mm-hmm. is not an attack dog. I actually think, you know, the, I think the conventional wisdom that somehow Pence has hurt himself in all this, just to, we can just stay on this for one second. Absolutely. I think Pence actually has done fine for himself. I think Pence I think Pence comes out of this significantly stronger than he would have if he had stayed in Indiana and run for governor and possibly lost. I think he looks like a non-entity right well, now. Well, since you're talking about Pence, an earlier question uh, from Facebook from Jonathan, is there any data to show the effects of adding Pence or Kane to those respective tickets? I mean, I don't think anything is helping Donald Trump's numbers. I think part of the measure of vice presidents right now is that you didn't hurt your ticket when you named them. You know, after yeah. the last few I think for both three, candidates, that's cycles. the consideration. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I haven't seen any numbers, but I think in terms of just sheer political calculus, I think both t- didn't do damage. We are still in warm bucket of piss.com or territory here, whatever. What is that, uh, James, uh, John Nance Garner line? Yeah, right? Cactus Jack, yeah. warm bucket of. One more question. Split or one? piss, I forget which. Let's move on. Neither. <laughs> Number two. Okay. <laughs> Again. I'm trying to clean it up, you know? Yep. Question from Matthew. Do Perry's comments on the Gold Star family help or hurt with this possible U.S. Senate run? <laughs> this fabricated possible we're U.S. We're off. <laughs> yeah, right. This is how rumors yeah. get started. Yeah. I think they would only help within the context of, you know, Trump winning and there being a right. the rise of a very pro-Trump wing of the Texas Republican Party and Perry eventually being able to say, I stuck through him through yeah. thick and thin. But that's that's He's a locked stretch up of the punching theory. people yeah. at rallies vote, for sure. <laughs> what is, I mean, but this does, Perry's comments do put even more distance between him and Abbott. You know, Abbott obviously took the totally different approach. With right, remember him. Abbott? Yeah. We've, we've like talked about the political <laughs> landscape in Texas for the last 20 minutes, right. not a word about it. Well, and you know, the biggest, the biggest advocate for... Trump, other than Perry, has been Patrick, and he's been quiet about the con thing, right? Yeah, Patrick has been ever since the convention. Patrick has been very, uh, very quiet. Ask team Patrick about con, and I, I've not we, seen a we word. We asked about it. Team Patrick about con, and we did. Yeah, they Patrick. Did not from what I've seen, he did, a, he did a he did a he did a morning TV show appearance in Houston, and otherwise he's been pretty quiet. He's been a little active on his Facebook page, but I just haven't heard a lot. The topic from him about on which the, Dan uh, Patrick does not race. press release or gaggle. Well, I mean, <laughs> Dan Patrick is probably looking at his. You you know, political future and thinking maybe the best move is to just shut up for a while. Mm-hmm. Just, well, but, but, yeah. he, but he says that he's, this is his last job. Do you not take him at his word? His Don't speak unless it improves the silence, right? Present. Well, right. All, all signs right now point to him being disappointed with the way things went down in, in Cleveland. I mean, we know that he was one of the among the last people that Cruz spoke with before Cruz went out on the stage. There has, there's been some reporting. Hey, Patrick. Right. Pat, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. There's been some reporting to suggest that he was upset or disappointed, at least, with the with Cruz's decision not to offer any support for Trump. So mm-hmm. we, I think the, the the silence for now certainly speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, uh, speaking of people who have stolen Trump's thunder, let's let's touch for a couple minutes on his other key surrogate, Katrina Pearson, Dallasite, who has made headlines in the last week for saying basically every wrong thing you can possibly <laughs> say <laughs> about foreign policy on the airwaves. Correct? Yeah, it's kind of a mess. Um, you know, Katrina Pearson's sort of famous for being famous. I mean, she's been around politics a lot. She's on TV a right? lot. Yeah. And she ran against Pete Sessions 
she, you know, she's been sort of a vocal supporter of several candidates, but it's sort of like no visible means of support here. There's not really a political base under this. Too bad uh, public she's, policy polling didn't test her. Yeah, yeah I know. I, was, I thought <laughs> maybe they would. She's a, she's kind of a classic talking head, and she's um, um, gone off script, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she suggested that, that, you know, Obama was responsible for the war in Afghanistan. Um, You know, she later said she meant Syria, which wasn't even, you know, officially a war. Blamed it on an earpiece. She was hearing, you know. She basically said these high-profile gaffes were the result of, you know, once she was hearing feedback in her ear and another time a a producer was telling her to wrap up because there was a commercial break. I mean, anybody who's done live TV knows that those kinds of things can be terribly sure. distracting and disorienting yeah. but to say something that was totally like factually false i, I don't know i mean i've had uh, yeah i've had bad feedback in my ear and it makes me like mm-hmm. a deer in headlights yeah. it doesn't make me suddenly it doesn't make serious sound falsehoods. like afghanistan to katrina's credit hold on let me let me roll up my sleeves so that i can i think abby's story hinted at this too or at least abby and i talked about it abby's story was incredibly fair it should be noted that, you know, Katrina has managed to survive this, like, yeah, when blizzard no of personalities that is the Trump campaign. She was one of the first kind of TV talkers they had. I mean, she was out on air defending him back when they had no other surrogates, when she was basically the go-to person for cable newsbookers. She certainly, as you as you said, has had her fair share of uh, gaffes. Uh, Although she's had, she noted she has had more than 600 speaking engagements on behalf of Trump, and she has only made a mistake in 0.3% of them. So. <laughs> she's Who's counting? Yeah, she, had a, she had a percentage, you know, like, yeah. Average, so. You know, but, but Patrick makes a really smart point. I think this is That's why this, we this campaign him. was a startup, effectively, in June of 2015. Yeah, and she has been around through the startup phase. Yeah, you know, she's she's outlasted uh, Lewandowski. She's outla- outlasted all the other people who were there, effectively, at now the beginning. Yeah, she's right. continued. She's continued to be the national spokesperson for this campaign through thick and thin. And that is an that is really sure. And she's the most exposed media exposed member of the campaign. I mean, she is on TV so much that sometimes, you know, with the clip that controversies come at in the Trump campaign, she's sometimes the first person to respond to it because she just happens to be on TV at the time. Got to give her credit for that. She's figured out a survival strategy within Trump world that a lot of other people have not. Well, and they have you know shown no signs of of pulling her back. I mean, if anything, they've said no, she's going to continue. We stand by her, and she's going to continue. They made her take off the necklace made of bullets. (laughs) But I think other than that, there have been very few. Things about her time on TV that have changed. Well, they haven't forced her to pull back that 2012 tweet suggesting that 9 11 was an inside job. Although she says she meant she Benghazi. She meant 7-Eleven, yeah. and she meant the store, which <laughs> admittedly kind of does suck. It is inside. So that's what it was. It is, yeah, it's a store that is inside. Right. Right. All right, well, we've got a, a couple minutes left here. Patrick, I'm hoping you could fill us in on some of the, the drama in the Dallas County GOP. Oh, sure. All right, boy, I'm getting on my phone. I'm bored already. What? This has been wildly entertaining. Uh, yeah, the, the county party named a new chairman uh, on Monday night. They picked... Uh, Philip Huffines, local businessman, and the uh, twin brother of State Senator Don Huffines. He's not just like a twin brother. He's like, like a oh, they yeah. twin, look alike. twin, yeah, exactly. Twin yeah, I was, I was like, they talk you know, alike wow. everything. Yes. it was like the Shining. It was like standing on the <laughs> carpet like the, with the blood in the elevator. It's like it the Castro like, brothers. Seriously, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, right. Philip could wave on the barge, and you think it was Don. Exactly, right, I agree. And it, you know, he was replacing Mark Montgomery, who abruptly resigned, you know, last month after less than two months on the job, left the party in financial ruin. There was some feuding over who was responsible for what I mean how um, do you how do Republicans in Dallas end up in financial ruin 
I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you have to try. That's a good question. You have to try pretty hard. That's a good to question. Get that to yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, regardless of the, the financial stuff, I think the the actual county chairman's race ended up being probably a little less dramatic than maybe some people in Austin thought it would be. Again, I'm sure you know we're co- we were covering this obviously from our vantage point in Austin, not in Dallas on the ground there. Um, but I mean, Huffines ended up winning 120 uh, precinct or more than 120 precinct chairs. Right. Um, he needed like. 70 some to win um so he not only won but he won in a way that gives him he could claim a mandate he could claim that he unified a dallas county republican party that was you know somewhat somewhat divided during mark mark montgomery's time um so you know in, but he was only in the job for like a couple sure of yeah months, right? of course yeah, right. yeah 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 less than two months so you know i mean i think it worked out as as, as well as possible as it could or ha- happiest <laughs> person in yeah. the world at the outcome of this race don huffines second yeah. happiest person pete sessions Right. Because right. the election of Philip Huffines, Huffines to be GOP chair right. means that the rumors about Philip Huffines running against Sessions for Congress probably go away. And the guy mm-hmm. with the rearview mirror that looks like Jurassic Park is probably Jason Vialba, um, who's a Republican office holder. Don to... Huffines has been— Is this uh, a rhino-dino joke? Well, what are you no, doing? No, no. The Huffines, <laughs> Huff, Senator Huffines has been kind of backing yeah. his opponents all along, and now he's looking at a party. With, you know, it's like Well, you, know, you, you, you think that the fact that his brother is the chair of the Republican Party— at of Dallas County means that Don Huffines will stop trolling financially <laughs> no. and otherwise Jason Vialba? No. I think that Jason Vialba is now looking at the parties with the senator. What do you mean? Don and Phil. So he's worried. He's I would wor- be. So he yeah. sees dinosaurs, oh, running up behind oh, him. In the rearview oh mirror, God. you mean they're coming, not they're behind me. Right. No, the, <laughs> the Jurassic Park. That's why I said Jurassic Park there. Yeah. Never mind. It should be noted no, that during no, this. You, you, you were fine. I was Jurassic, the problem. In Jurassic Park. I was the problem. During, during this brief campaign, Philip <laughs> Huffines did come out and promise not to get the party involved in any primaries. Contested primaries. Because that was a concern. Look, two days ago, Connie Burton said something <clears throat> nice about Jason Vialba on Twitter. Clearly, we are entering a kumbaya phase in Republican politics. So... All right. Well, that's all the time we have for Jurassic Park references this week. Uh, if you have questions Thank or God. comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Patrick, our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. No touchy. <laughs> <laughs>